welcome once again and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Eve Eve, everybody. Um, it's good to have you guys here. Um, we're just jump right in. What we've been doing for kind of our Christmas series is we've been looking at a particular Christmas song. Any of you guys, a part of your Christmas tradition is listening to Christmas songs? I love Christmas songs. Anyone have a particular favorite Christmas song that you could think of that's kind of even maybe just this Christmas has been kind of sticking out to you the most? Oh, Holy Night. I love that one. Classic. I like it. Anyone else brave? This is going to be participation. I'm just getting you guys warmed up. Yes. Oh, come all you faithful is such a beautiful song. I love that one. Right? Anyone else? Yeah. Mariah Carey. Anything Mariah Carey? Anything Mariah Carey? Wham, last Christmas I gave you my heart, and the very next day wasn't so good, right? Yeah, yeah. That We're, we're starting to go downhill, so I'm going to pick this back up. We're actually looking at one that's very biblical. We've been looking at the song Joy to the World, and I've always kind of thought this is is a lot of the songs we sing them and sometimes they're like in old English or sometimes they're they we, we lose the meaning we don't I, I'm singing it and I'm like what does it even mean right but Merry Christmas so I'm in a good mood right and I'm maybe having some hot chocolate or a or a peppermint mocha you know cappuccino or something like that and so it's all good but but what I wanted to do this Christmas is I wanted to look at this song joy to the world and and see what exactly does it mean and, and the reason why I picked it is because it actually has deep scriptural roots. And I would say this, of all the songs that I could think of, there's, and, and some of them do a really good job, this one really, really helps us understand the true meaning of Christmas. Joy to the world. The interesting thing, it was written in 1700s by this guy named Isaac Watts. He was, he was a, a hymn writer, a pastor, a theologian and a philosopher, and he wrote over 600 hymns. One of his claims to fame, remember this is 1700s, right, in London, and one of his claims to fame is in, in 1719, he published uh, a hymnal that's still popular today. It's called the Hymns of David as, as interpreted by the New Testament. And what he did was he took all of the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms in the Bible, and he took all of them except for 12, and he turned them into songs, but he gave them an, a New Testament twist. He said, how are these fulfilled in the New Testament? So Isaac Watts, uh, early on in his life, probably in his early 20s, is reading Psalm 98. Psalm 98. And he turns it into, and he sees in it the fulfillment that when Jesus comes, when Jesus is born, when the Messiah comes, right? And also when he comes back again, his two comings, in that was the fulfillment of Psalm 98, and he turned it into a song. Can you guess what it was called? No, it was called, it was called the Messiah and his kingdom, but later they changed the name to Joy to the World, right? So what I want to do this morning is let's do this together, is we're going to read that very psalm. We're going to try to walk the path like Isaac Watts did. We're going to dig into the scriptures and see what did he see in there that became this song that we sing every Christmas, Joy to the World. So let's look at Psalm 98, particularly he picked um, verses 4 through 8. And here's what we're going to do. This may or may not work, I'm not going to lie to you. Like most things at Remembrance Community Church, there's like a 42% chance that this might not work. 
But what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to read this together, right? If you were Jewish back way back in the day, you would have this would have been normal for you to read scripture together. And so we're going to try to have rhythm, right? I don't have any rhythm, so that's going to be a problem. And I'm kind of have the microphone, so that could be hard. But it's going to come up on here. I'm going to start us, and we'll try to get in a rhythm, and we'll try to read it together as a congregation. Do you think we can do it? All right. I'm doubtful, but I'll trust you guys. Psalm 98, verses 4 through 8. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Okay, hold on one second, one second. So, you're going to get to a part in here, and I told you some, sometimes there's words that come up and we don't know what they mean. It's going to talk about a liar. That's not somebody who doesn't tell the truth, right? That's a different type of liar. What it's going to be talking about is this, this lyre, which is a, is a stringed instrument. So when you read this lyre, think about like the sounds of a guitar, but although it looks more like a harp. It's very old school. All right, let's try again. Psalm 98, 4 through 8. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and singing. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to, to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. That was verse 9. I told you, that was the 42. I'm the 42%. Now we know why nothing works around here. It's right here, okay? But, but he takes this piece of this psalm and he turns it into this song, Joy to the World. So when he says, make a joyful noise to the earth, to the Lord, all the earth, how does he translate that? Joy to the world. That's interesting, right? At first, when I used to read this, when I used to listen to this song when I was a kid, I kind of equated it to um, Don't Worry, Be Happy. You ever heard that song? It's like, don't worry, be be happy, right? And, and so, and that's kind of like joy to the world, like be happy, joy to the world. Why wouldn't we want the world to smile a lot, right, and be happy? But the cool thing is, is this song is way more deep than that. And the first thing that Isaac Watts is going to kind of point us to is, what's the source of this joy? Or in your notes, what joy is this? And so I'm going to have Sammy Simon, she's going to come up and she's going to read the first portion of this song, Joy to the World, familiar to all of us. And then I want to dig in a little bit to what it means. You can use the microphone right here. Sammy Simon, also my niece, by the way. And heaven and nature sing. Thank you, Sammy. So Jesus is the source of this joy. What's actually happening in Psalm 98 is it's back in the time of King David. And King David is thinking forward to a time when the Messiah was going to come back. When this king would come back. And the whole idea was something that we don't live in a time with kings. But when a king is going to come into town, you would, you would make preparations. 
right? You would set up everything for this king that was going to come into town. If you, ever re- if you ever read Isaiah 40, it talks about them going before the king and actually like paving the way, right? John the Baptist is the fulfillment of Isaiah 40. He came to prepare the way for Jesus because Jesus is the king, right? So you would prepare the way, and that's what it's saying. It's saying, let's get ready. Let's prepare the way. Let's start, let's bring out all our instruments. Let's get together. Let's sing. When the king comes, let's greet him with joy. That's what Psalm 98 is all about. Isaac Watts realized that when Jesus came on what we celebrate as Christmas morning, it was the fulfillment of the coming of this Jesus. And so Jesus is the source of this joy. And just like the, just like the kids read Luke, the gospel writer Luke, he, he tells the Christmas story like this. He says in Luke 2, 10 and 11, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is the source of this joy? It's Jesus. When Jesus shows up, joy shows up. That's what uh, Isaac Watts is talking about. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. He's come. So we should be joyous. And the next thing he says is he says, let the earth receive her king. If the king's going to be coming, let the earth receive this king. The next thing in your notes is this. He is a great gift that we must receive. He's a great gift that we must receive. And the reason that that what what Isaac Watts saw in here was he actually saw a piece in John's, the the gospel writer John's Christmas story. In John chapter 1, he tells it like this, verse 11 and 12. He said, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, this king is going to come, and and though he did come, some did not receive him. His own did not receive him. Interesting, right? All these times from Psalm 98, they've been singing, they've been waiting for this king to come, and when he actually showed up, some of them didn't receive him. Some of them rejected him. But... There's a but God here, right? But to all, not just the Jewish people, not just the good people, not just the any, there's no category, but to all, every one of them who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. And that is a great joy. He is a gift, and he mu- we must receive it. And then Isaac Watts says, so let every heart prepare him room, Right? Let every heart prepare him room. So the key is to prepare him room in our hearts. If we rewind a little bit in Luke's Christmas story to verse 7, he tells this story. He goes, and she gave birth, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Isaac Watts is bringing up in this first stanza that in Psalm 98, when this king comes, we're supposed to celebrate with great joy. And yet when he showed up, some of the people who he came to 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 bless did not receive him. 
and there was no room for him in the whole town, right? There was no room for him. Isaac Watts doesn't want us to make that mistake on Christmas. This song can remind us that Jesus has come, and we should be joyful, and we should receive him, and we should prepare him room. And that's what Christmas is all about. And so we prepare and we say, let us rejoice. And I'm going to have Daniel Madden come up. He's going to read the next stanza about let us rejoice. Since this Jesus did come, let us rejoice. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. So we see two beautiful things right there. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. The first thing we see in this song is that Jesus is our merciful Savior. Jesus is our merciful Savior. Before, in the last stanza, he said we must receive him. Receive him how? Receive him as Savior. Receive him as merciful Savior. The idea here is that you can't save yourself. Right. Though we try. Right. We all do little things. Right. How many of you guys have ever done any type of self-improvement project? Right. We, we do that. Right. How many of you guys have ever made resolutions and, 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 and decided I'm going to change? How many of you guys have ever been motivated in your life? I'm going to just reinvent myself. Right. And yet on this one thing, we can't save ourselves. We can't make ourselves right with this God. We can't make ourselves right. With this God, we can't be at peace with this God on our own. We need Jesus. Jesus comes, and when he comes, joy comes with him, and he becomes the Prince of Peace. He becomes the one who offers us this peace, and it must come through him, this Jesus. So he is merciful Savior. We also see that Jesus is our mighty king. He, he's savior. They let the savior reign. That's king talk. That's him being a king, right? Jesus is our mighty king. Now, back in 1700s when Isaac Watts is writing this, he probably, there, there was a king. He understood this language. For most of us, we don't really relate to this idea of the king, right? I mean, we watch movies, and, and, and we know about stories, and we can understand what a king is, but we've never experienced having a king, right, in this way on this earth. And so here's some, maybe some thoughts that might help us. Who do you honor? You're supposed to honor the king. Who do you make a big deal about? Who do you, who do you value what they think? Who do you try to impress? Who do you give glory to in that way? Who do you honor? That person has become your king. Who do you try to please? Who do you serve? Right? If you're a, if you're, if, if you're a high schooler right now, you probably uh, can relate to this. Right? You, you're, you're a people pleaser like I am still and was definitely in high school. And the whole pressure, if you're a people pleaser in high school to now, is to have an amazing Instagram game, right? Or, or, or Snapchat game, right? And the whole idea is you've got to get everything just right, get the right picture, and have the cool story of you. Tell the cool story of your life because people, you want them to like you. 
You want them to like what you're presenting, right? You want the, you're a people pleaser. We do that throughout our whole life. We spend a lot of time, money, and energy trying to be okay in other people's eyes, trying to be accepted, right? Trying to be, that, that, that becomes your king. Paul talks about it like this. He says, now that Jesus is my king, I can no longer be a people pleaser. Because if I was a people pleaser, I wouldn't be able to serve this king, this new king. So when he says, prepare him room for the king, the savior who makes us right with God and becomes our king, he becomes the most important. He becomes the most valuable. And we start to unpack it. He was a genius going, prepare him room. How many of you guys are really busy? We don't prepare. Do we prepare him room? Prepare means it takes effort. Right? It doesn't just happen naturally. We need to literally make space for this coming Jesus. We need to make space. We need to intentionally make him Savior. Make him Lord of our life. That's what we're singing about when we sing this beautiful song. Jesus is merciful Savior. Jesus is our mighty King. And our lives should reflect this good news, he says. He says it like this. He goes, let men their songs employ. Literally, let your, the song of your life reflect this. The, 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 the writer Paul, the, the, the Christian writer, wrote much of the New Testament. In Romans 12.1, he says it like this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's in the ESV version. In the NIV, I like the way it reads a little better. It says, therefore, in view of this mercy... When you take, when you stop and you make a little room and you think about the mercy of this God and you think about how merciful he's been to us. When you think of, in view of his mercy, in view of that, in response to that, let us offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is our spiritual act of worship. This is what it looks like to be a worshiper of this king a follower of this king to make him the king means that your life reflects the fact that he's been merciful to you he's been good to you and so he says let men their songs employ while while fields and floods rocks hills and plains repeat the sound of joy literally this when this messiah comes it's going to be so amazing let heaven and let all the people and even the rocks and the mountains, and the seas roar. Let them all sing praise to this King of kings, King of all. And we're going to have Kaylee Keating come up. She's not my niece because she's my daughter. Wonderful daughter. And she's going to read the, the, this, this section. Before you read that, beautiful daughter, um, this is interesting. You guys have probably heard the Mariah Carey version, right? She only sings three verses, three stanzas. There's actually four. You're going to hear the one, the hidden one. The one that many don't sing comes next. Go ahead, beautiful daughter. For as the curse is found. You could see why Mariah Carey doesn't want to sing this, right? It's a Christmas song, probably 
shouldn't have the word curse in it, right? That's probably how she viewed it. But this is the most beautiful part of the song. This is when it gets real. Before that, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus is great and life is great and joy. We should smile more. We should all be happy. Right. And, but that's not how we all experience Christmas, is it? And that's OK. Christmas for many people is a hard time. The time of sorrow and sadness It's a time of great memories and hard memories. The time of depression, even for some and anxiety. It's a very Difficult season for a lot of us, and we should talk about that more. When he says joy to the world, he doesn't say smile, everybody. He's saying there is this joy that is so deep that even when you're sad, even when you're broken, it still exists, coincides, because he is there and this is the part where it gets real this is the part that we should be singing because this is the part that gives us the most hope he says no more let sins no more let sins and sorrow grow nor thorns infest the ground you ever feel like there's just thorns infesting the ground of your life because he comes the reason he comes to make his blessings flow far as the far as the curse is found everywhere where sin is everywhere it's broken everywhere that's messed up he goes He goes there. And so what Isaac Watts wants you to see about this Jesus that gives us great joy is that Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus meets you right where you are. If you came today and you're far from God, the the, the quest is not to, to start a new quest, a new path to becoming on the nice list, and then all of a sudden Jesus will, will, will show up in your life because you're now on the nice list. It's not how it works. It's way better than that. He comes right where you're at. And he meets you there. That's the beauty of what the kids read when they read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever. Oh, not me. No, he says whoever. He bends you too. No, but I'm so broken. Now you, whoever. I don't really need it that bad. Now you do, whoever. Believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He meets you where you're at. Jesus came to Galilee. Jesus came to Bethlehem. He was born in a manger, right? There was no room in the inn, so he was born in a, in a lowly place, in a manger. Why? Because Jesus shows up in broken, messed up, unperfect places, and he brings his blessing. That's the joy. And let her be is this. You guys have probably knew that about John 3, 16. I don't know if you knew this. The very next verse is even better. I don't know why we don't talk about John 3, 17. John 3, 17, in my opinion, is as beautiful or, or, or more than John 3, 16, although you need them both. And Jesus doesn't condemn us is what we learn. Jesus doesn't condemn us. Now, it's not that he doesn't see everything in our life when it says Jesus doesn't condemn us. Hear this. It doesn't mean he doesn't see everything in your life and how broken it is. He does. It means he sees all of that and he still loves you and he still wants you. That's what it means. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved (coughs) through him. He literally wanted to reconcile the world 
to his father. They were apart from his father, and he wanted them back. And so he came. He dwelt among them. He took all of their sin upon himself, and he gave them their righteousness. He gave them the right to be children of God. That's why he came. And so the the last part in here is that Jesus redeems us. Jesus redeems us. In Romans, this, this writer Paul, he pens it like this. He said, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was friend with sinners like you and me. Later, Paul, in 1 Timothy, he would say it like this. He would go, you could be confident of this. There's not very many things you could be super confident about these days, right? Like, I don't know, maybe he's right, maybe he's right. No, he goes, you could be confident of this, that Christ Jesus died for sinners. And then Paul goes like this at the end of his life. And I'm the worst of them. I'm the foremost of these sinners. And Christ died for sinners. Jesus redeems us. The last part of the song is is beautiful as well. We'll have the worship team come back up. I'm going to read it for you. Um, And if you guys want to read along, we'll put it up there. It's uh, it's the last part of Joy to the World. Let's try again. We kind of, I'll admit it, I was the weak link in in our temp. Let's try to read this together again like we did in the beginning and totally redeem ourselves, okay? Ready? Let's sing it. Let's sing it. I just up the ante. I'm not going to sing it, though. I'm going to let you guys sing it. I'm going to go like this, because I saw that on the sh- TV show right there. Are you ready? He. That's a dangerous tool, everybody. You guys are following along on my fingers, and I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't even know what I was doing right there, right? But you guys did good. There's a couple things in here that are interesting. He goes, and makes the nations prove. What does that mean? This is what it means. The Advent means, when we talk about Advent at Christmas time, it means coming, right? We celebrate that Jesus came on Christmas morning, but Advent has another piece to it in the Bible. He's coming back. He's coming back. And when he comes back, that's what this last section, and makes the nations prove. What that means is, is when Jesus comes back, he's going to hold every single person accountable and makes the nations prove. He's, you're going you're gonna to stand before him on Judgment Day, and he's going to make the nations prove. He's going to say, here, let's look at your life. But the next part becomes good news. The glories of his righteousness. How can we we be right with God? When we stand before Jesus, he's going to say, let's look at your life. Either you're going to say, okay, let's look at our life. Or you're going to say, no, let's not look at our life. Jesus already paid for my sins. Right? Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness. That's what this is saying. The glories of his righteousness is that we are right with God because of what he did, not because of what we did. That would be bad news. And then he says, and wonders of his love. It's interesting, he says, he rules the world with truth and grace. He gets that from actually in, in John's gospel. 
John says in John 1.14, and the, and, the, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that an interesting combo? Here's the thing. Most people that I meet, they're either really good at truth. You might be this person. Don't lie to me if you're this person. Just, just own it, right? You're a truth warrior. You've got to be right all the time, right? Truth is a big deal, which truth is a big deal. And you're just always right. Anybody who's wrong is wrong, and they should be right, and they're the problem with this world, right? Because you're a truth guy. You always tell everybody what the truth is, right? And then there's other people who are total grace people, right? They're the grace people. They just love everybody. I don't care what you did. I just love you. Let's love everybody. Why don't we just all get along, right? So you have the truth people. Here's the problem with the truth people. The truth people know the truth, but a lot of times they're jerks. And here's the thing about the grace people. The grace people, we love to be loved and everything like that, but we don't really value their opinion because they say that to everybody. They're wishy-washy. Jesus was this perfect balance. He came with grace and truth. He wasn't either side of the fence. He was perfectly balanced. Truth without grace would be bad news. The truth is, we're so far from God and we can't find our way back on our own. Truth without grace would be bad news. And grace without truth would be unjust. If he just came and said, okay, we're all just, you're all okay. Grace without truth would be unjust. But Jesus, Jesus became this perfect blend where he withheld the truth, he withheld the law, but his grace came because he took the punishment for our sin and he gave us his righteousness. And now we can be right with God. And now we have the right to be called children of God for anyone who received this. And then he gives us this ending. He goes, and wonders of his love. Isn't that a cool way to say it? Anyone else ever wondered about God's love? It looks like this. Why? Why would he love me? Why did he do, why did he go to such great lengths to save us? Were we worth it? We're, to him we were, but that doesn't make any sense to me. Why did, I kept, I kept running from you. All the things I've done, you keep forgiving me. They're the wonders of his love. If you've never wondered about God's love, you probably didn't have never understood his love. Because it's mysterious. It's deep. And it's the wonders of his love. In 1 John 4, he says it like this. He says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I mean, he, he absorbed our sins onto him. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It should overflow that we love one another. And that, I would say, in the package in this song, is what he's trying to say. The meaning of Christmas is this. Jesus has come. Have you received him? Have you made room for him? Have, 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 have you prepared your heart for him? Is there anything that you need to give up and, and lay at his feet? Don't try to fix yourself. Lay it at his feet. That's why he came. And let his blessings flow in and through your life. And when this happens, we can see Jesus 
for who he truly is. He is the joy that came into this world. Our first song that we're going to sing is Joy to the World. Let's stand to our feet, hopefully with some new meaning, and let's praise this wonderful Jesus.